Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. us to be different than how we came. Bless the word that's in our mouth and the meditation that's on our heart that it may be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. With you there is a word. Without you there is no word, but we know that that word will come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're, we're offering uh, still in the early days of the new year just a second Sunday words of encouragement for the new year. And so uh, last time we talked about how to make a fresh start. And, and we used uh, the acronym START to give you the formula for that. And this morning we have a, another word for you here. It's coming from the book of 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. And the first verse is the text that the uh, encompassing chapters and verses will also be included in the narrative. Here in 1 Samuel 16 and 1, the scripture says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm preaching this morning from this subject. Stop crying over spilled milk. Stop crying over spilled milk. In other words, what we're saying is, is, is don't dwell on what went wrong. Instead, focus on what's next. See, the new year is here. And in the old year, there was a lot of spilled milk. Help you see it. I was telling the group this morning about when... 30, 40 years ago, probably 40 years ago, because of the age of the boys now, I was babysitting one day with my sons. They were young, running around, and their mama was gone. And um, they wanted something from me. They wanted a snack. So I went to the kitchen, and I poured glasses of milk and had some cookies laid out there. But I get a little clumsy sometimes. And in the process, I knocked the milk over. 
and, and the milk just ran all over the counter and down the cabinet and on the floor and all, man. And I was, I was hurt. I was because I had spilled the milk. And they were hurt, too, because they wanted that milk. They wanted them cookies. But it wasn't nothing I could do. I mean, what, 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 what could I do? What, I, yeah, I could take the paper towel and get it up, but what I was supposed to do, squeeze it back into the glass? That would not have been good. So we had to do something different. We had to move forward from there. Uh, spilling the milk, uh, stop crying over spilled milk or spilt milk, either way it's said, it's both correct is an idiomatic expression that, that means don't, don't stay so focused on the mistakes that have been made. I recognize that in the previous year that we have come from, there were a lot of people who were in that position who made mistakes that they are still crying over. And, and I came this morning with an encouragement to, to, to stop crying over spilled milk. The, the, the scripture text is, in a historical sense, in the early days of the children of Israel's journey as they are now settled into the land of Canaan, which would be known as the promised land. The national leaders are all gone now. Moses, the leader that brought them out of Egypt, is, is dead now. And Joshua, the leader who brought them across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan and helped with a seven-year battle against those nations, he's now gone. And, and the people are divided into what was known as a tribunal confederacy. Every tribe did what they wanted to do. And there was no national government, so God raised up Samuel. Samuel, you would know, mother had been barren. She was married to a man who had two wives, and she was the second wife and could not bear any children. And she prayed to God that God would give her a son. And God blessed her with the son, and his name was Samuel. And she brought Samuel to the house, to the tabernacle, which was the house of God, under the tutelage of the old priest at that time, who was Eli. And Samuel was raised up in the temp tabernacle there. And as he was a youth, God called him into the ministry. And he, Samuel grew and grew in the ministry that he became more than just uh, a preacher. He became a seer. The seer was the role that preceded prophet. That's what they called people before they became prophets, were seers. And so Samuel became the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. And, and his job, his task was, was to go around from, from territory to territory and to carry the word of God and to offer sacrifices and to bring people around the unity of the word and will of God. 
And, and while Samuel was growing old in his days, Samuel had two sons. And his sons chose not to follow after the God of the Israelites. And as a result, the people knew that his sons were instead willing to take bribes and other things. And they came to Samuel one day. And they said, Samuel, we want a king like the other nations around us. Like the Hittites and the Hivites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites. We want a king, someone who could lead us in the battle. Someone who could stand before us and judge between us. And, and, and that thing broke Samuel's heart. That hurt him because he knew that they were barking up the wrong tree. And Samuel goes to God and he says to God, God, have you heard what the people are saying? And God says, Samuel, I want you to understand, they, they, are, they are not rejecting you, but they are rejecting me. God had been Israel's king. He had been the one who went down into Egypt and through his power brought them out. He had been the one who parted the Red Sea and carried them through the wilderness. He had been the one who had provided them with manna from on high and with quail and with whatever they needed. They were in the wilderness 40 years and there was no Walmart out there. There was no Vicky out there, Victoria's Secret. There was no place for them to get a fresh change of clothes and God did not allow their clothes to wear out. There was no Publix in the wilderness. There was no Walmarts in the wilderness. But God sustained them. And now they're in the land. And they decide that they don't want God to be in charge of them no more. Man, that sounds like us. We were all right when we were in slavery. We trusted him doing Jim Crowism. But now we've gotten on the other side. And we don't think we need the Lord anymore. And as a result of that, we're doing whatever we choose to do. And it's often displeasing in the sight of God. And so the children of Israel displeased God. But God said to Samuel, Samuel, you give them a king. You give them a king anyway. But warn them how that king is going to act. Tell them that the king is going to take their sons and make them go before him and run before his chariots and be his armor bearers and be his soldiers. Tell them that the king is going to take their daughters and make cooks out of them and, and perfectionary, make perfume and they're going to be his concubines and all of those things. Tell them that the king is going to take their land from them for his own and give it to his own servants and use there's resources for his own purposes. So Samuel, heartbroken, not knowing what to do, God, in the meanwhile, had raised up a young man whose name was Saul, son of Kish. His father Kish had lost some donkeys. And in the process of searching for the donkeys, he ultimately came in contact with Samuel. And Samuel told him, the donkeys that you were looking for have been already found. But you come on with me. Let me tell you what the Lord has in mind for you. And God told Samuel that this is the one that I want to be Israel's first king. 
And Samuel took the oil and he poured it over Saul's head. And Saul became Israel's king. Samuel and Saul became friends. It became a relationship, a mentor and mentee relationship. And how many know that, that, that over the course of life, you've met people who you've developed relationships with? And in the process of developing close relationships, you learn to care about those people. So Samuel loved and cared for Saul. He wanted Saul to be successful. He gave Saul the first assignment that there was a group of people from the tribe of Jabesh who came against him with the king, the Ammonites. Jabesh was the king. And the Ammonites came against the people of Israel and said, if you want us not to attack you, then you're going to have to let me put your eyes out. Saul said, oh, no, that, that won't happen. So he took an animal and he cut up the animal in many pieces and he sent the pieces around to all of the tribes and said, unless y'all come together with me and form an army, this is what's going to happen to your tribe, to your animals. So the 200,000 men came around Saul and he went up against the king Jabesh and was successful. And he felt good. Yes, it looks like Israel's king is going to work out. Then God spoke to Samuel and said, tell Saul I got another assignment for him. I want him to go against the Amorites, the Amalekites, because when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Amaleks, the Amalekites came up against them and would not let them cross. Tell Saul to destroy every man, every woman, every piece of cattle. Don't say nothing or nobody alive. Saul massed his army, and he went up against the Amalekites, but he saw the king, whose name was Agag, and Saul decided, ah, oh, that would be a good trophy of war. So he took Agag alive and took the best of the sheep and best of the lambs and rams and all for himself, and he brought it back. Then Samuel came to meet him. Saul comes out with his Cheshire cat grin. I have done the Lord's bidding. And Samuel said, oh yeah, what's the meaning of these bleeding sheep? And then Saul relented. He said, rather than him repenting, he, he put it off on the people. The people did it. They took the best sheep and the best lambs and the rams and kept them for themselves with the intention of offering them as sacrifices unto God. Samuel had to tell him, God doesn't delight in sacrifice. God desires obedience in the heart. See, God knew all along what kind of man Saul was. But because the people wanted a king, God gave them a king and allowed his nature to manifest. Sometimes, girls, you got to be careful. Sometimes, guys, you got to be careful. You can make friends too quick. You can pull people in too close without really fully understanding and knowing who you're dealing with. But God knows the hearts of men. And in time, he'll reveal it. Saul, nature began to come out. 
God said to Samuel, he said, man, he said, I know that this is the kind of fella he is and it's not going to get any better. He said, so what I have done, I have rejected him from being king and it, and it breaks my heart that I ever made him king. It's not that God makes mistakes. God sometimes will show us. You have to be careful what you ask for. Because sometimes God will give it. You better be careful, man, because God will sometimes let you go to Burger King. He'll let you have it your way. And how many know that when he lets you have it your way, you will mess it up every time? I don't want the Lord to let me have it my way. Because when I have it my way, I do mess it up. So Saul messed up Israel. God decided I was not going to let him be king. I'm not going to bless his ministry. I'm not going to bless the kingship. I rejected him from being king. And that hurt Samuel. And Samuel went into recluse. He went home and he began to cry. He began to mourn. He began to just weep. And, and, and he just stayed in that position that it became a depression to him. That's why God speaks in the text here in the 16th chapter in the first verse. And he says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? It's time for you to stop crying over spilled milk. Can I tell you this morning that there are some people here who are in Samuel's place. You're crying over spilled milk. You're, you're, you're crying over relationships that didn't work out. You're crying over bad decisions that were made. You're crying over dead-end situations that cannot go anywhere. And, and, and if you don't be careful, you'll wind yourself up in a fit of depression. And so God will get on to you. God got on to Samuel. He said to Samuel, how long, boy, are you going to stay down there in that mess, in that fit? I don't know whether it was weeks. I don't know whether it was months. I don't know how long it was that Samuel was in this downward position. But God is saying to you this morning, how long are you going to cry over your own spilt milk? And, and it's time to get up from there. See, look, 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 look. What's the danger? As long as Samuel stays down and depressed and cries over Saul, he becomes derelict of his responsibilities. What were his responsibilities? He had to go around on the circuit. He had to offer sacrifices. He had to judge between the people with equity. He had to give them the word of God and that was being left undone because he was so hung up on Saul. And God is saying that I brought you across the threshold into a brand new year and you're still down in the dumps and you're still depressed over mistakes that were made in the past. It's time for you to get up from there and move forward with what I need you to do. 
Spilled milk cannot be recontained. Spilled milk cannot be regathered. And you cannot undo what has already been done. And to sit around and to bemoan this situation and to cry over it and to become depressed over it will rob you of taking care of the things that God intends for you to take care of. Samuel was a priest. He was a judge. He was a prophet. He was God's man. And listen to what I'm telling you this morning because I don't want you to look at this foolishly. If this man being a God man with the level of responsibilities that God had put on him and he could become depressed and crying over spilled milk, what make you think you won't? What make you think you're beyond that? None of us are beyond that. We can make financial mistakes. We made some. We can make poor choices. We made some. We can embrace people that we thought would be good to us and good for us. Only to find out that we made a mistake. It can become depressing to us. A young lady came by to visit the house the other day and I came in. and She was there and she was talking about her own spilled milk. And I promise that's what she was telling. She was saying to me, she said, I, I was chasing this guy for six years. And I found out that he wasn't right. And, and, I, and I said, okay, okay uh, what, what, are, what are you going to do from here? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still hoping. Now I let that alone. It's time to shake the dust off your feet. It's time to move forward. Is there something in your life today? Is there someone in your life that has failed you? You know, you could be stuck in a place of crying over spilled milk. But God, God comes this morning and he shakes you and he says to you, it's, it's enough now. It's time to get up from there. You know, cry no longer for that that has transpired. No matter what the mistake was, let me tell you what God would do. Because he's such a gracious God, because he's a merciful God, because he's a mighty God, God will give you something new to do. And that's why he brought the new year into being because this year brings new opportunities and new possibilities. But you got to get up from where you are because as long as you stay down where you are, you're going to miss the mark. What God has put inside of you can never be released. And the new things that God wants to bring into your life, into the new year, cannot come into your life as long as you're crying over the spilt milk. So what God does, he comes to Samuel and he says, how long are you going to cry over Saul? He said, tell you what you do. Get up from now and then get to work. He said, tell you what you do. You fill up your horn. See, the, the, the prophet, the, prophet, the priest, had a horn. It was just a, a little, little tube. And he probably filled it with probably olive oil or some other oil and that he would use. He had used it before. He had taken the horn of oil and he had poured it over Saul's head. 
and Saul became king. It was just symbolic of a transfer of the Holy Spirit because during that period of time, the Holy Spirit did not take up permanent residence in the hearts of believers like he does now. The Holy Spirit was given to prophets. It was given to priests. It was given to kings so that they could exercise the authority and use the wisdom that God would give them to do the job that God had called them to do. And so he's telling Samuel, listen, I'm not through with you. Get up from there. Fill up your horn with some more oil. I got somebody else I want you to anoint. I got another job. Rise up from your place of despondency and discouragement. And that's my word for you this morning. Get up from that place. You got mad with somebody. Somebody hurt your feelings. They didn't do it the way you did. Whatever church you may have come from, maybe they didn't do it right. Maybe somebody hurt you. Somebody told you no. Somebody wouldn't let you do it. They left your name off. Maybe they disappointed you in some way. Do you know that failed expectation is the basis of all hurt that's in relationships? Whether it be husband and wife, whether it be family member, mother and child, whether it be sibling, whatever it is, is based on expectation, failed expectation. You know how it is. It was my birthday, and you forgot about it. You didn't give me. It was our anniversary, and you forgot. You didn't give me the flowers, or you didn't take me to dinner. Even we just had Christmas, and you didn't give me the gift, and now I'm still expecting it. And you've shown no sign that you even understood that you missed. And, and expectations set us all up for disappointment. Yes, Lady go to the hairdresser and she get her hair all done, all beautiful. And she come home and just throwing her hair in there. And he don't say nothing. <laughs> like he don't even see it. You know, go get this new outfit and come in. How does this look? And uh, Oh, I've seen that before. <laughs> And it just disappoints. And it happens in church. You expect people to be godly towards you. You expect people to be neighborly. You expect people to be supportive. You expect people to understand God's word and God's will and to demonstrate that they are on the right track and they do something foul. And it just messes you up. You just throw up your hands. You just say, forget it. I'm going home. I'm not coming back there anymore. I'm not singing up there. I'm not ushering. I'm not going to serve any longer. And do you understand what that does? That means that gift that God has put in you gets shut down, that the body does not benefit from the gift that God has entrusted to you. It's time to let that stuff go. It's time to get up from now. That despondency, that depression, that place of crying over spilt milk. I know one guy who didn't let it happen to him. And that's one in the New Testament. That was another Saul that became the Apostle Paul. And he, he knew his life was full of spilled milk. Been a persecutor of the Christian church. He'd even gone that very day that he was converted to the high priest to get letters go down to Damascus to arrest Christians. 
And, and when he was converted there in the dust and his eyes were open in the city, and he began to go around and tell everybody about Jesus, and people began to push back from him. Tried to go to Jerusalem up with Peter and the other apostles, and they pushed back from him. Oh, no, we know you. We don't trust you. But this man, Saul, who became Paul, did not care less about what Peter thought because he knew that God had called him to a fresh work. He knew that there were churches that needed to be planted. He knew that there were missionary journeys that had to be taken. He knew that there were epistles that needed to be written. He knew that there were converts in Gentile territories that need to be brought into the Christian faith. And he would let nothing or nobody stop him from going about doing the will of God. That's how you need to feel this morning. You need to understand God has given me a brand new day. He's given me a fresh set of opportunities and chances. And it's time now for me to let bygones be bygones. And for me to move into the newness, freshness of what the opportunity is today. So Samuel gets up, and I like it about him. And he fills up his horn, but he thinks ahead. He said, wait, God. He said, look, I, I know you have taken the Holy Spirit away from Saul. And because you've taken the Holy Spirit away from Saul, he's become a raving maniac. And if he hears that I'm going down to Jesse's house to make a king, he's going to come after me and my life is going to be in peril. How many know that Saul did just like that? He acted like that. When God rejected him, God took the spiritual favor away from him. See, not like you. Once you have the Holy Spirit as a believer since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit lives in you permanently. But in that era, the Holy Spirit didn't live in a person permanently. He was just given for the office. And since Saul had been rejected as king, God took away the Holy Spirit and replaced it with an evil spirit. And every time Saul went into that funk, into that depression, his servants saw how he acted. So they said, Saul, what you need is to find a musician, someone who plays skillfully on the harp, that when that evil spirit come over you, they can play soft music and it can heal you of your melancholy spirit. So Samuel knew what kind of man Saul would be. And he said to God, if I go down to Jesse's house on this new assignment, Saul's going to come after me. But God said, don't you worry. How many know that when God gives you an assignment, he knows how to protect you? You don't have to be afraid. When the Lord is on your side, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You just got to know there's a power that resides in you. That's why I like the songwriter. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. So Samuel obeys, even though it means putting himself in danger. And he goes down to Jesse's house. God tell him, when you get down in Bethlehem, where Jesse lived, 
Tell everybody that you come to offer a sacrifice. See, God knows how to cover you. Somebody said, God lied. No, he didn't lie. Samuel was going to offer a sacrifice. That was part of his responsibility as a judge, as a priest, to move around in those territories and to invite people to a big barbecue. And there he would tell them the word of God and help them understand. But when the people of Bethlehem looked up and they saw Samuel, the prophet, the priest, the seer coming, they trembled in themselves because they assumed the worst. And they asked Samuel, are you coming in peace? Are you coming to pronounce doom on us? And Samuel says to them, no, I come in peace. I come to offer a sacrifice. Even though he did not reveal at the time what his real mission was. His real mission was to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king. But yet he came into the village because he's now on assignment from God. His horn is filled. He's gotten up from his seat of depression. And yes, there might be reluctance in you. There might be some fear and trepidation for the new thing that God wants to do because none of us know what the year holds. But we know who holds the year. So it's time to move forward. I laughed earlier because I talked about how gripping it was to hear the news that Nick Saban had stepped down as Alabama's coach. We had come to trust Nick and enjoyed the leadership lessons that he taught and the way in which he led the team with excellence. But guess what? It's time for a new assignment. God is not limited. That's what I want somebody to hear this morning. He's not limited to one era. He's not limited to one person. He's not limited to one situation. God can do again and again whatever it is that he wants to do. And he can do it with you. So Samuel comes into Bethlehem and he invites Jesse and his sons. Some theologians believe that Samuel already knew Jesse and had become acquainted with his sons on many occasions. But he knew that he was there to anoint one of those boys to become king. And so Jesse, he said to Jesse, before we eat, I need all of your sons to pass before me. The first boy, Eliab, came. Eliab was big and tall and good looking. And he, even Samuel looked at him and said, surely this must be the Lord's anointing. Ladies, you got to be careful. It might be tall and dark and handsome. It might look good. You might think on the outside that this is the one. Fellas, you have to be careful. It might look good on the outside. But how many know God does not judge by outward appearances? He told Samuel immediately, that's not the one. Don't look at the outward appearance. God judges from the inside. How many people have gotten messed up looking at outward appearances only? And find out later you got Freddy Krueger. <laughs> or find out later you got the Wicked Witch of the West. I mean, just because on the outside, 
See, after a while, that outside got to come off. That extra hair got to come off. Those, those eyelashes that are not there got to come off. Those nails got to come off. And you're going to see what's really there. After a while, ladies, that suit is going to come off. And all of that false and all of that game and all of that stuff is going to come off. And you're going to see what's really there. And that can be what's disappointing. And that's what causes people to cry. Samuel said, okay, bring the next one on. Next boy came. He was tall and good looking. He strolls in there. And Samuel thinking to himself and God had to say, no, no, no. I tell you, sometimes you just need to listen to the Lord because he'll tell you no. He'll tell you no. Even though your flesh say yes, you got to listen to God. Next big guy came in there. He's styling and profiling. Smooth walking, gliding. Samuel thinking, hmm. But God said, no, that's not the one. And all of Jesse's sons passed through. And it became a tense moment because seven sons have passed Jesse, have passed Samuel. And God has said no. And he knows that his assignment there is to anoint a king. He said, wait, have I made a mistake, God? Did I hear you right? Have you ever felt that way? That the assignment is incomplete, that I'm not quite capable, that I, I feel inadequate to do, and maybe I missed the mark? Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Did I make a mistake? Jesse said, there's one more, boy, but he don't even count. He, he's, he's just a, a shepherd boy. He, he's out there with the sheep. He don't even qualify. So, so why would you want us even see him? But how many know the ones that other people disqualify are the ones God may have qualified? The very ones that everybody else say ought not be could be the very one that God says is. Might not have the right speech. Might not have the same look. Might not have the same understanding. But if I'm the one God has chosen, then I'm going to be the one to do the work that God has called. And so uh, Samuel said, fetch him here. Go get him. I won't leave. We won't eat until he has come. David came out of the field. He was ruddy looking, rugged looking. But David was just as handsome as the other boys. Why? Because if you got a good looking mama and a good looking daddy, children got a chance. <laughs> Obviously, this was a godly family. And when David came in, Samuel heard God's voice say, this is the one. Look, and right there in front of everybody, in front of his boys, in front of his brothers, Samuel broke out the horn and he poured the oil on David's head. Now, now, now I need you to understand, David did not immediately go and start trying on crowns 
And he didn't immediately go grab him a robe and declare himself to be Israel's next king. It would take a long time before David would become king. But that day, God wanted Samuel. See, this was for Samuel. This was to bless him, to get him out of that depression, that funk, because God was not through with him. And I want you to understand, if you're sitting in Samuel's seat today and you have been crying over spilt milk, God has a new assignment for you to remove that depression from you and to help you know there's still usefulness in the hands of the Almighty. Samuel poured the oil. They had the big barbecue. Everybody was happy except, guess who? Some of them brothers because there's going to always be somebody who's not going to appreciate what God is doing for you. But you can't worry about it. You got to go ahead and be. See, it wasn't long. This was the start of the elevation of David. First, look at this. Let me just run it through you and I'll be done. First, here comes the oil on David's head. And David is officially anointed by God's man. Next thing you know, Saul is looking for a musician to play on the harp to soothe the melancholy spirit. Somebody in the palace said, hey, Jesse got a boy. That's a skilled musician. He can play on the harp. And Saul says, fetch him here. And the next thing you know, David is in the palace. He's playing on the harp. He's in training because God knows what it takes. He knows how to get you from the pit to put you into the palace. He knows how to take you from nobody to make you somebody. He knows how to take you from nowhere to put you somewhere. God knows what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And the next thing you know, there's going to be a fight among the Philistines. And the Philistines got a big boy whose name is Goliath. And all of the soldiers in the Israelite camp are afraid of the big boy. But guess who steps down in the valley of Eli? The young shepherd boy whose name was David because God was setting him up. I want somebody to know God will set you up. He will set you up to bless you. He will set you up to show out. So you don't have to be worried. You don't have to hold on and continue to cry over the mistakes of the past, over the hurts and disappointments that others have caused in your life, God has a fresh assignment for you this morning. God has something new that he wants you to do. So I want to tell you what, what you need to do. Give you four things and I'm out your way. If you want to stop crying over the spilled milk in your life, you got to learn how to pay attention to what you're doing. See, if I had paid attention that night, I never would have knocked over the milk. I would have been careful to sit each glass in the place and put the cookies right in the place so that the boys could have what they need. But because I was clumsy and watching TV and becoming distracted by other things, I spilled the milk. And I'll be honest with you that probably the reason the milk got spilt 
in your life because there was something you wasn't paying attention to. See, Samuel wasn't paying as attention, close attention to Saul as he should have been or may could have been. And so he ended up crying because he missed something that he should have paid attention to. So I want you to pay attention to what God is doing. Pay attention to what's around you and who's around you. Pay attention to the opportunities that God is presenting to you. And don't just take them lightly and brush over them and knock over the mill. Second thing you need to do, you got to clean up the mess. You got to clean up the mess. You got to get you some towels or whatever you need to do and get that stuff up. Otherwise, that milk going to stay right there. And guess what happens when milk stays there? It becomes stale and it'll begin to stink. If you, don't, if you don't want the stench in and around your life, you got to clean up the mess. See, we got a forgiving God. See, Saul got rejected not because that was just one mistake in his life. Everybody made a mistake. Even David later on makes a mistake. But guess what David does? When David makes a mistake, he cleans up the mess. He goes to God and he repents. And he says to God, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew what? A right spirit within me. The Bible says, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But Saul didn't do that. Saul blamed everybody else. He never took responsibility. It was the people who took the sheep. It was the people who captured Agag. It was everybody else but him. And he didn't clean up his mess. And therefore God pushed him on the side. So you got to clean up your mess. Third thing you got to do is pour another cup. You know, rather, rather than crying over the milk, what? Pour another cup. Unfortunately, that night for me, I was at the end of the milk. So I poured a cup of juice. There's always another alternative. There's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to get this done. There's more than one way to be useful to the Lord himself. And so if you want to not have to continue to cry over spilled milk, pour another cup, look at Look at the alternatives, the other ways in which the Lord will bring it. And lastly, depend on God. Depend on God. God doesn't make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. And listen at, listen at what Paul writes later about what happens in life. Even the things that we don't think are comfortable or good. He writes in Romans chapter 8, he said, and we know. That in all things, God works for what? The good of them that love him. Them that are called according to his purpose. I remember once I had spilled milk here. Had made a decision that really wasn't the best, but we thought it was. And God shut it down. And I said, Lord, what in the world are we going to do? And I was on my knees. I was on my face. I couldn't talk to nobody else about it. And God brought that verse to my mind. We work, 
You know that in all things I work for good. I said, God, even in ugly things, he said, in ugly things. I said, in embarrassing things, he said, in embarrassing things. Everything may not be good, but God can make it work out for your good. But you got to be willing to what? To trust him. And when you trust him, you know that he'll do it. Won't he do it? Look, look, look. If you don't believe that God would do it, just pinch yourself. Because you're still here. And your being here means God has given you another chance. You know, you've had some heartaches, but you're still here. You've had some trouble, but you what? Still here. You've had some disappointments, but you what? Still here. You've had some heartbreaks, but you're still here. And it's by the grace of God that you are here. Fill up your horn. Get up off of your seat of do nothing and move into your new assignment. God has given you 2024. 20, Stop crying over your spill milk, over your past mistakes, and understand he's given you a present moment right now to do what he wants you to do. That's what I want you to know today. Somebody here today need to leave here different. Get your head up. Get your mind refocused in a new direction. And understand that every day that you breathe and every day that you move, you have another chance to get it right, to become who God wants you to be. And that's the blessing today. Doors open. Doors of the church open. Doors open, somebody might be here today who's been crying still over the spilled milk. This is your moment. You can give God your heart. You can give God your hand. You can pray and ask the Lord to come into your life. And he'll come in. He'll forget it. He'll clean it up. He'll make you brand new. Listen, that's, listen at the story. Trouble. I've seen my share of trouble, but I'm still here. Thank you, Lord. Bruises. I've taken my loves and bruises, but I'm still here.
so many disappointments, but I'm still here. Yes, and through it all, through it all, I made it through another day's Just one more day, God kept me. Yes, He did. Oh, I made it. By the grace of God, that we're still here today. He was always there, no matter what came our way. A very present help in our time of need. He's standing right there, right there, just to see about me. neighbor and tell him, I made it. I made it. Oh, I made it. Yes, I made it. Yes, I made it. I'm still Somebody said I wouldn't be here today, but look at me right now. I can sing God's praise. I made it. I made it. Yes, I made it. Yes, I made it. I'm still here. God blessing your life. You're still here. Yes, sir. In spite of the number of times you done knocked over the milk, sometimes yes, even kicked over the bucket of milk, yeah. all kinds of things, yes, but God has blessed you. Amen. So we want to go into the year. Won't you? This is still early. You still have opportunity, but it's time to let go some of that that you've been holding on to that's the cause of your depression. And it's time to pick it up and take it to the next place. God got a new assignment. He got something else for you to do. And so let's get up and let's get going. And let's be the people that God wants us to be. Let's utilize the gifts, talents, and abilities that he's put inside of us. And let's make this year count. And let's make this be the year where we anoint new kings. Amen. Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley. Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book 
really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church, It Becomes the Church for the Unchurch. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.